Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast today. You guys, this is episode number 500, 500. And what a journey it has, has been to create all these amazing episodes and interview all these amazing world-class entrepreneurs and high performers from around the world. Today on this episode, I'm actually being interviewed by my partner and good friend, Adam Anderson, talking about what it's like to build a podcast with 500 episodes. It's kind of crazy. Interviewing that many people has been quite the journey. We talk about what I've learned over those episodes, where I all started from. Actually, Adam wanted to get into my life as a young guy and how I became an entrepreneur. We talk about some of the worst podcasts I've had, some of the best podcasts I've had, what was my intention starting a podcast, committing to a podcast to do for a decade, what I've learned through this process, and what, I, what I'm glad I, I got out of it. And so I make this podcast for the listener, for those entrepreneurs that are out there or aspiring entrepreneurs that want to build a business, that want to create some sort of freedom in their life, that want to perform on a higher level as an entrepreneur to become better high performers. And uh, that's what it's all dedicated to. It's like service, giving back to the world. I've done it for these 500 episodes. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast over the past six years and there's plenty more to come i'm not going anywhere just going to keep podcasting away we'll have another one like this at a thousand episodes for sure and yeah with that let's hop into the 500th episode of the business method podcast the business method chris reynolds the man the myth (laughs) the legend you've read the book now see the movie uh how cool is this 500 episodes man how does it feel 500 episodes so i have to start this off with a little transparency because a little transparency goes a long way please um so i started podcasting at podcast number 100 and so (laughs) (laughs) wait can i do that with my workouts (laughs) I'm going to start at rep 100 and then like walk out not sweating. I know, I know, I know. But to be fair, like we now have the high performance episodes, which we've published about 50 of those. So we're really technically about 450 and we'll definitely hit over 500 within the next few months. Um, and I, I just want to start that out being fully transparent. The reason why I did that is because, you know, back in the day when we had like written checks, some people still use those, huh. but not a lot. Tell me you more. Know, my, you know, somebody said once, um, I think it was my mom, and she said, always start on your checkbook with number 1,000, Chris, because then the banks don't know that you just started banking with that bank. And I was like, that's genius, Mom. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I um, started podcasting, I was like, we just start with podcast number 100. It kind of makes sense. And um, But now I have to explain myself every time when people are like, Chris, you have 500 episodes. And I'm like, no, nah, it's actually 400. Well, 450. Um, so, but I wasn't going to let the 500 number go without like a celebration. So sure. Uh, You know what, Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is number 500 because uh you know, it's a heavy lift. You've done a lot. You've produced a whole lot. And, uh, my kids are taking new math in school, so I no longer trust numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the thing? Like we don't trust science. We don't trust numbers. You know what? I'm, I'm choosing the narrative that supports my opinion. That's where we're going. So this is number 500 and I am thrilled to be here to Thank talk you. to you about it all. So. Thank you. Well, I, and I've probably been on about 40 or 50. So that's close, like 500, you know, like 450 of our podcast and then 50 that I was on. I find that strange that you haven't been on more. I, I really? is it Yeah. I, oh. Is it more, uh, is it more comfortable for you to be an interviewer than an interviewee? No, I'd, I'd much, I'd actually, I like prefer to be the interviewee. It's easier. <laughs> Less prep, you know, you just show up and talk. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's all you have to do today. You just show up and we're going to ask you questions and you're going to be vulnerable. Maybe we'll cry. I don't know. This is definitely going to turn into a lifetime movie. I, I have faith that this is happening. Oh, so. I, I thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for being here, Adam, and facilitating and and, and uh, testing out your skills as an interviewer. That's right. Um, I have always been on the other side getting interviewed. And so I feel like someone's given me like Thor's hammer and I am worthy Ooh. and I'm, I've got all this power. Yeah. Um, so um, so yeah, I, I want to hear so much. So can I jump in? Yes, please. You're leading. You're, you're Thor. Hammer Sweet. away. Um, 
I have known you for years. We've hung out in Bangkok. We've hung out on the uh, an island in on the Adriatic off of Croatia. We have been all over the world. Hung out with you. Uh, one of my favorite people in the world. And there's so much I don't know about you. And because you know when we're hanging out, we don't say you know tell me your life story. Right. Where did you come from? So could you maybe take five minutes and just start off with the 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 narrative, the hero's journey from zero to where you are today? <laughs> like sum everything uh-huh. up in five minutes. <laughs> uh, I'll try. You know when you tell your own story, you never think it's as cool as everybody else's story. Or maybe there's people out there that think it's, you know, that think their story is cooler than everybody else's. But um, so I always have like, you know, and if anybody else does this, a, a bit of like, you know, insecurity that comes up, right. When we tell our story, you know, it's like, is my story good enough to be told? Uh, so I'll tell it, I'll share it. And then you can tell me if it's worthy of being shared. With That's us. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I was born in 1980 and, um, to Barbara Verlene Reynolds and Robert Paul Reynolds. At 1.08 p.m., and um, my parents are from Missouri, which is where I grew up. And um, Missouri is one of those places where uh, it's, you don't, growing up there, you don't know how unique of a place it is until you go out and travel the world and see the perspective of a place like Missouri or middle America or rural, uh, wherever you're from or smaller type of region, wherever you're from, um, that, you know, life is different there and life was there very different, um, you know, compared to my life now for sure. Uh, it was comfortable. It was my mom's family or vast, quite a few of them are farmers. So I got to spend a lot of time. Um, farmers were my heroes growing up. The guys that wear bibbed overalls and John Deere ball caps, you know, mm-hmm. and growing up, I wanted to be, uh, first I wanted to be a baseball player. My dad put that in my mind and then that went away cause talent wasn't there. Um, and then, uh, I wanted to be a farmer and I was like, that's the dream. And what I realize now is that that the dream that I had was because naturally one of my core values is freedom was that was the only way that I knew to achieve freedom. And I had an uncle that I was close with and he lived, he had a farm and, but also was like a jack of all trades and he would, you know, go fix uh, roofs or, you know, build homes or whatever. And I was like, well, I'll just work with uncle Bobby and, you know, we'll build stuff around Missouri and, you know, buy some cows and you know, farm, farm to farm sort of thing. And that, that's what I wanted to do clear up until I hit this kind of, uh, so I went to, I went to high school, um, and I went to undergrad as a major in agricultural business, um, and clear up into the point where I didn't want to leave college cause I was having so much fun. So I decided <laughs> to go to grad school <laughs> And when I went to grad school, so I, I stayed at that small Missouri school, Northwest Missouri State, and I went to grad school there. And uh, I got a degree in just regular business, not agricultural business. And um, and that opened my world. We had this course uh, called International Business, and we started learning about economics in India and the UK and, and globalization and all of this stuff. And my mind was just absolutely blown. And also during that time, my mom bought me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which mm-hmm. also has been a, a pillar book for many people, I think. And I, um, I was like, well, I could always go back to, you know, I talked to my uncle Bobby at this time. I was like, you know, there's this internship in New Hampshire I want to take, you know, I don't know what to do after grad school, da, da, da. He's like, you can always come back to Missouri. You know, if, if you don't like what you're doing, you know, you can come back. And I was like, that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the internship in New Hampshire and it was selling books door to door uh, for the Southwestern company, which is a phenomenal internship company. Um, it teaches you business skills. They sold us on the idea that you'll be your own boss, you know, independent contractor selling books door to door. Uh, it was awesome. Learned sales skills, learned that was my first official unofficial business. Um, spent the summer there, sold 12,000 bucks in books, you know, in New Hampshire. And, um, yeah. And just after that, it was like the love of, of living, abroad at that time abroad was outside of Missouri the love of living abroad uh you know in New Hampshire and then after that I went down to Florida um but this travel nomadic bug kind of like set in and then how old were you at this point when you're heading yeah I finished grad school 23 cool and uh, I had an old pickup truck GMC 
pickup truck from yes. 1987 and I had a blanket in the back and I would, uh, just drive wherever I needed to drive and sleep wherever I needed to sleep. And, and, um, yeah. And so that, that was, that was, that was a uh, phase one of Chris's life. I love that. I yeah. love that, that whole imagery of you, like, uh, coming from a place where you're you're feel, feeling super connected you have this idea of freedom you have this thing that's really drawing to you you go have more experiences more experiences and rather than saying no to a thing you're saying yes and yes and well i can have freedom and if i go abroad then i can value where i came from and I, i'm pretty sure you didn't think it all the way through but i just like <laughs> no. how your autopilot your natural tendency is taking you towards adventure taking you towards freedom but it yeah. sounds like it's all based on the fact you did have some kind of security where you always knew you could go back home, which I don't yeah. know that a lot of our digital no man friends, uh, have that kind of freedom. Yeah, I, th I think you're totally right. And, and I see that quite often that, you know, people grew up as, you know, uh, not maybe not close to their family now. And so they're traveling to kind of get away or, or maybe not have a, or maybe their family moved around a lot. I see that quite often. And I, I'm very fortunate with the family upbringing that I have, because there was always a security blanket there. Where if, you know, I go and spend a year abroad, you know, and shit hits the fan and I go broke, I could always, you know, go back home and, mm -hmm. and have that. And, um, definitely I think for the nomads, uh, uh, location independent entrepreneurs, anybody out there is that family base for, for those kids in the future is essential for, for them being a limitless, uh, human being for whatever dreams they want to go after in their lives. Um, having that, Hey, mom and dad you know, are still back here, family's still back here for you. If you ever need your, or we've got your back sort of thing. Yeah. My dad always said, um, if things go wrong, please come move back into our basement. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is still saying that, you know, right, I, right. I, I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's special. So, so phase one, we put a bow on it. You're moving into phase two. What does that look like? Um, so phase two, I landed in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's because I had a friend there and I read, um, rich dad, poor dad, as mentioned, and I wanted to get in a real estate game. This was mid two thousands. So I, I think I went down there in 2005 and the city is a hot city, uh, not just physically hot, but like for a young professional, it was a fantastic place to be. Um, real estate was booming. I got involved in the mortgage business for a couple years, um, learned a lot from that experience and, um, just had a really good time down in Phoenix. And so then after about, after those, those, uh, it was a year and a nine months in the mortgage business, I learned what I had gone there to learn. And I came across this, uh, network marketing company called Nuva Reach, where they sold real estate investing packages at 20,000 bucks each. And if you signed up for it, you got two years of real estate investing and entrepreneur education from really high, you know, really successful uh, real estate people. And you got the opportunity to sell that package to other people at 50% commission. So if I sold it to you, Adam, I'd get 10,000 bucks. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, I'm sitting here selling mortgages on the phone all day. I can just mm -hmm. transfer those skills over to this real estate investing education. Um, and, uh, selling a mortgage is definitely easier than selling a $20,000 real estate investing network marketing <laughs> business. Sure, sure, sure. I can see that. But we figured it out. They had a really, I learned uh, so many entrepreneur skills there. They had really um, smart individuals, uh, smart entrepreneurs working with the company and um, also got into involved with some personal development uh, organizations at that time. So my growth was just like hockey stick, you know, mm. growth for a young guy in his 20s. And um, just soaking up new ways of mindset that I would learn from both the real estate company and from um, the personal development companies. And uh, just, just had a really great time until the 08 recession hit. And yeah. a lot of the funding for that, uh, for people that were getting to, that were signing up to be a part of that company um, came from credit sources. And 08 recession hit, boom, all of our income dried up. And I went broke, broke, broke. Mm. I mean, I had a, like I had a 350Z sports car that I had just bought. Nice. You know, I lived in a, a sexy <laughs> apartment in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know. <laughs> and um, we were just having a great time. And then it was like, uh, you know, people talked about that recession happening about a year before it happened. Um, and we did like, we, we just really weren't prepared 
to know how hard it was going to hit us. Um, and so there was one point where I had a, a good friend and, and, uh, I could always go to his house and hang out when I was like depressed and broke. And, um, and I was like, I don't have any money, Dave. Uh, I'm literally like, I don't have any money whatsoever. And he's like, bullshit. Like you've got some money. I was like, no. And I was like, let's call my bank account. And we called the bank account and I had 54 cents in my bank account. <laughs> and uh, he he just died laughing. You know, he's one of those friends, like, just like you did, Adam, right? Then he just, dies, <laughs> he just absolutely died laughing and goes, oh, man, I didn't know how bad it was. And uh, so he bought me pizza that day. I remember that day. I'll always remember that day. It was very nice of him. Um, and then I went to like, uh, just doing odd jobs, you know, to, mm-hmm. to make ends meet. I donated plasma. I would eat like, you know, cans of green beans and corn for dinner, mm-hmm. right? You know, water with cereal, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're back in college. You're I know. Doing it. You're it doing was, it. It was a, a budget. It was a tough experience, but I actually enjoyed the challenge of going through that. Plus it was, you know, I was still in my twenties, you know, I knew I had plenty of recovery time. Um, and I knew that one day, like I'd get to get back, like I would get to a point where I could help people and then then we could learn from that experience. And that's actually kind of where the idea from these masterminds, uh, that you and I run now Mm -hmm. came from is that I knew when COVID hits, there was going to be, a um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs were going to suffer and have a really hard time. And I thought, well, let's mastermind because I went through the 08 recession and went broke as a young entrepreneur and, and maybe we can help some of those people. So what's this? So you didn't end broke. I mean, I, I met you on a, uh, mm-hmm. a luxury island in Croatia. So you decided probably not to stay that way. What's the transition? I'm assuming we're moving towards phase three. Yes, I guess that's phase three. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I. Um, so uh, so synchronistically, this was really interesting how it happened. Um, my best friend from college, uh, he is a farmer back in in the Midwest. And, um, when I went broke, um, a few months later, three or four months later, I was hustling and doing catering jobs and, and some odds and end things here and there. And, um, maybe it was maybe even a year later. I don't remember exactly. Um, his wife passed away, um, from a brain aneurysm just out mm. of the blue. And, uh, so I went back for the funeral. I spent three weeks with him and then I, I went back to Phoenix and then, um, his sister called me one day and they couldn't find him and, and they, uh, they didn't know where he was and they were really worried about him because his, his wife was just found out she was pregnant as well. So, so mm-hmm. the first baby, they were expecting it, you know, a month and a half or so, two months in, and then she dies of a brain aneurysm. So he was going through some really hard things and, and I was broke and I called him up and I was like, um, I was like, Joe, I'm going to come back and just help you on the farm. I'm broke as hell. You know, I lost my business. Um, so, uh, we'll just support each other and figure, you know, figure this thing out. And so I went back and I worked on the farm with them. I helped him reestablish his life. Uh, I got some site. Uh, we actually had another friend in college that owned a landscaping business. So I got to work with him while I was working on the farm as well. And, uh, and it was a really cool experience also, to be honest, like it mm-hmm. was just like we could be there for one another at the worst, you know, the most difficult times in our lives um, and we can support one another. And I spent nine months back there and before I ended up going back to Phoenix eventually again um, to help reestablish him and I get reestablished as well. And and um, and during this time when I was, uh, you know, I was doing I was, you know, we were living, I was living back and helping him on a farm. I picked up the book, the four hour work week. And as soon as I read it, that was like, this is going to be my life. It's just, and he would make fun of me because he thought those books were like a scam. And he's like, don't, don't get me started on that book. And I'm like, dude, this is going to be me. Like I mark my word. And, um, I just indulged that book. I remembered, you know, I would, when I would, uh, was working in a landscaping business, I would drive a hundred miles a day to one job, to next job, to the next job. Mm -hmm. And I had the four hour work week audio CD that I would play as I was driving, um, from one job to the next. And I soaked it up, man. Um, and, uh, and it started applying. Like I started selling on Amazon when I was there, um, still back in the Midwest. And that was 
2009. I wish I still I stuck with that. You know, I did it six months <laughs> and I was like, oh, this stuff doesn't work, you know, and then just moved on to the next thing and started building some niche websites online and um, spent a month, a year and a half back in Phoenix, uh, building niche websites online, still doing some some like odd jobs here and there. And eventually got to the point where I was like, I'm going and bought a one-way ticket to Costa Rica and um, had some money saved up, making a little bit of money online and was going to go do do the thing in Costa Rica. And I did. Love that. Yeah. You're, che- you're checking so many of the boxes. I always say like, you're not a real entrepreneur until you flirted with bankruptcy or having no money. <laughs> where, right? When, when everything goes wrong out of your control and you're like, all right, I got choices. And yeah. they're all mindset choices. It's how am I going to endure through this? Because there's always something on the other end if you can stay in the game, right? And mm-hmm. I love that one of the ways you stayed in the game was you went and helped people. You, you acted from a place where mm-hmm. you were going through something and you're like, yep, uh, this is who Chris is. I'm going to go help others while they're going through something too. And yeah. I think that, uh, that's really very cool. Does that show up often in your life? Um, you know, you I don't, it? it wasn't a conscious thing at all. You know, it wasn't like, you know, some people were like, well, if you're in a bad spot, go help people. It'll change your sure. mindset. Right. Sure. It was just like, that's just what I needed to do at the time. Um, mm-hmm. and it felt right sort of thing. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah, it was just, it, it, and I'm a helping guy anyway. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of in a giver, like I have a strong giver, uh, personality and helping personality. And so, um, so I think it's kind of natural. Well, I, I, uh, I love the story so far and I want to check in with you, even if it stopped now, this is a good story. You should tell it a lot. Okay. Uh, so, thanks, so, man. Thanks. But I, but you, you said something that I think is magical. You're going to Costa Rica and mm. now I'm expecting, um, the, the, I'm expecting a uh, phase four that I'm now classifying this. Uh, yeah. by the way, we're going to turn this into an ebook. I'm already sold on it. <laughs> <laughs> so phase four, chapter four, however you want to call it. Let's okay. talk about Costa Rica. Yeah, so I bought uh, bought the one-way ticket to Costa Rica, um, and I was dating a girl long-term at that time. She came with me, and uh, we were going to live the Costa Rican four-hour workweek dream. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we actually started doing some contracting work uh, online also while we were there and then building the niche websites, and um, spent 13 months in Costa Rica. Like, it was great. We, bought, we, we didn't buy it. We rented a two-bedroom house, a five-minutes walk, from the beach, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm checking so many boxes off in the four hour work week life. Like I just, I hacked the system, right? Winning. And winning. Yeah. One of the things that really did hit me pretty hard though, while in Costa Rica, cause we we're in a small town of about 10,000 people surf village. Um, is that, uh, I was lonely mm. and I couldn't figure out why it took me actually a couple more years to really pinpoint it. It's that I didn't have my like-minded people. I didn't have like-minded entrepreneurs down there. I had surf buddies, you know. I had um, bonfire on the beach buddies. Um, I had my girl, my girlfriend, um, but I didn't have um, my my like-minded personal growth entrepreneur type of people that really give me energy. Um, so it wasn't until um, I landed in Barcelona in 2014. Uh, that um, I really realized that and I started hanging around with other location independent type of entrepreneurs and I was like, oh, these are my people. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got mm-hmm. to spend so much, as much time as possible around them. But during that time, we did another cool thing is we started these charity projects. We did a charity project in Costa Rica. We climbed the tallest mountain in Costa Rica, raised up a bunch of money and gave it to um, um, a clinic there in Costa Rica that nuns ran um, and took care of abandoned children. Wow. Yeah. And then um, I moved to Peru for seven months and I did a project with the natives there where we uh, raised up a bunch of money and homesteaded land. Um, so the children would have a farm to use as, um, an agricultural school so they could learn how to grow other products other than just like rice and potatoes, um, in their classroom. And so we homesteaded the land with the local folks, uh, with the local families and they came up and it was really cool. We're on the side of the mountain and BFE Peru, you know, right. And, um, 
just like uh, hanging out with them and drinking their homemade beer with them as we're like, you know, moving these rocks out of the dirt. And now that that farm turned into a, I think a 12,000 square meter, the last I heard, 12,000 square meter farm that feeds not only the kids, but 12 families in, in the area as well, um, which is kind of cool. And, uh, and then I eventually got over to Barcelona and that's in Spain and Europe. And that's when I started realizing I needed some like-minded entrepreneurs to hang out with. Well, I don't know if you're going to find that because I just wrote down location, independent farmer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's the next, that's, that's, that's a chapter I haven't created. I I mean, I'm excited to see what 2020, um, the decade of 2020 is going to hold because how cool, I just love the the way that life works, right? And you're, Uh you're doing the four hour work with you, are doing all the life, you have the freedom. And then you show up right where you need to be, right at the right time to use your entire upbringing, the fact that you went through trauma, the fact that you used work as a tool. I mean, everything goes perfect. So that when you land here in Peru, you're able to actually apply all this wisdom to have this huge change. And then you're like, peace, moving on. I'm like, oh, my God, that is so, that is so cool. Peace out. Here's some here's some goodness. Like go worth it, you guys. I'm That's out. Right. I gotta go I'm, do I'm, some other. Oh, work. I should put a location independent startup farmer. You help us yeah. you know, launch the thing, and then you're like, the system's running. <laughs> you don't need me anymore. I'm my, on my way. My titles are getting grander and grander as you hear more. Uh, of absolutely story, right? right. Oh yeah. I'm, don't worry. I'm gonna update your LinkedIn any minute. It's ah great. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, you you've now had you you've uh, you've crossed the ocean. You're now in Europe. Uh-huh. Uh, what's going on there? Well, I, I had some roommates that were entrepreneurs and we would set goals together. Um, you know, we would go out and enjoy the city of Barcelona together and uh, just have a really great time. Mm. And I thought, why? This is pre, you know, um, pre remote year and remote work and, and before anybody was really doing it as a business. And I thought, why aren't anybody, why, why aren't people getting together and doing this co-living, co-working t- sort of thing? Cause there's plenty of, you know, um, people that, that are living abroad that work mm-hmm. online that, that can do this and building really awesome businesses while they do it. And so I was like, I, I put it out to the world and some forums that, that I belong to, uh, and social media and said, Hey, if I, if I rent a few apartments in Barcelona, do you guys want to spend three months here in 2015? And it signed up, you know, it filled up and, um, I was like, wow, this is kind of a cool thing. So we would do masterminds when, when all those guys came to Barcelona, we do masterminds once a week. And I said, Hey, I'm thinking about making this a business. What do you guys think? And overwhelmingly everybody said, yeah, it's a great idea. And, um, so I started what was then called the, the entrepreneur house. And I started doing these cool business accelerators, co-living business accelerators in uh, different cities around the world. And just got, and I loved it because we would gather these entrepreneurs, really awesome entrepreneurs. Um, they would live in a new city for, you know, a month or so we'd, we'd have fun together. We'd build business together. We, um, just, it was just a fun experience. And, uh, I did that for three years until I really realized to scale that business, it was a lot of work that I didn't want to do. And so I took all the productivity stuff out of that and started to put it into a remote type of brand, which is now the business method, um, a remote brand, a remote, more style of, of, of business. And, um, even though I was hosting remote entrepreneurs and I was a remote entrepreneur myself, I was then committed to be in every city that they, that we were hosting events at and hosting something at. So, um, so then I put all that stuff into online, you know, productivity, goal setting, uh, mindset, and now like brain optimization sort of thing. That's all online under the business method brand. So it's almost like the entrepreneur house was your uh, crucible where you mm-hmm. just tossed all these people together um, and it was live fire exercise on how do you start businesses, run business, get inf- efficient, depend on each other. And you got to play with this whole ecosystem of folks who were coming together and it was like in a, a accelerating not just their business but accelerating your understanding on how entrepreneurship works Mm -hmm. what is what leads to success what holds you back and creates friction and i love the fact that you're like yep 
I've learned what I need here. I've got my lessons. <laughs> I don't need to scale the crucible. I'm uh -huh. going to take the, the, the stuff that's super valuable that I've learned and I'm going to package it up in a way that I can access more people. Cause I, I think I heard you say that, you know, having to actually show up in every single city and every single place, your bandwidth problem was you. 100% bottleneck right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, hosting all these people and learning from them. Um, I was like, these, these, you know, they, this is the type of business that I want for, you know, I'm hosting events for the people that have business types of models that I want. And I don't have that type of business model myself. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, okay. So what's the next phase, next chapter. But it, you know, when I was around, cause that was the first time since like 2008 that I had been around serious entrepreneurs, um, and four hour work week style of entrepreneurs, right. Even if they didn't only work four hours a week, um, in, in, the, the, the intelligence of really the intelligence mixed with the wisdom of an entrepreneur from, you know, going over all the hurdles that it takes, the, the highs, the lows to maintain a business. I was just blown away and just, just mesmerized by, cause these guys, you know, we would talk, you know, how to, how to work a funnel and how to work, you know, Facebook, social media ads, and they would just, you know, figure it out real quickly and problem solve very rapidly. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was, I was amazed by that. And I wanted to become more of that as much as possible and implement everything that I was learning from all these entrepreneurs as well into my own, um, brand and business that is a completely remote location, independent business as well. So when the business method was formed, is that when you decided there needed to be a podcast? When did you start um, mm, taking yeah. that catalyst? I forgot we were talking about the podcast. <laughs> no, I, I got notes. I'll bring <laughs> us around. I'm keeping track of the time. I got you, baby. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was, um, yeah, the, 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 so when I was running the entrepreneur house, I wanted some a place for really awesome testimonials. So I started a podcast. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And <laughs> and I was like, what's better, you know, have, you know, in live interviews of the people that are at the Entrepreneur House talking about how awesome their experience is at the Entrepreneur House and have that as a podcast as well. Right. And so I did about 30 episodes of those. Um, and then I was like, I really like this podcasting thing. And I had heard like some other people were doing a hundred day challenges. And I was like, I wonder if I can do a hundred episodes in a hundred days with a hundred thousand dollar entrepreneurs and higher. And I was like, let's do it. And I thought like I around 20 episodes or so I'd have to hunt really far and wide to find these mystical hundred thousand dollar entrepreneurs. Um, and they just came flooding in from all over the place. I didn't have to look at all, you know, Ugh. um, somebody would come on the show and they'd have three or four friends or, you know, I would just talk to somebody and get a couple, you know, a new person or two more people on the show. And so I knocked it, I did 101 episodes in 106 days. Um, nice. so it was solid. Yeah, that was, and that's what like really launched me, uh, in my podcasting career. So you've you've uh, you've done multiple seasons, right? You did the uh, hundred thousand. You did six figures. You done. Set, uh, I love that you do seasons of like a hundred. It seems like. Wow. Um, what made you want to break it up like that? Is it just that you enjoyed the challenge of of it, it or did it all started with that hundred day um, goal uh, to get a hundred episodes out? And then I was like. Well, I interviewed a hundred six figure entrepreneurs. I wonder if I can get a hold of a hundred seven figure location independent entrepreneurs. Cause mm -hmm. at that time too, there was more um properly location independent seven figure entrepreneurs. Pre, I would say twenty fifteen, they were few and far. They right. were still kind of like digital nomads with a backpack, you know, making yeah, yeah, yeah. if they hit a six figure business, it was really awesome. Um, but, uh, they started to pop up much more because those people that started traveling the world, um, with their digital online businesses started to build really awesome seven figure businesses. And even mm -hmm. some cases, eight figure businesses while living in Saigon or Barcelona or Amsterdam or wherever they, they chose to live. And so I was like, let's do a hundred seven figure, um, location independent entrepreneurs. So we did that, which was awesome. And then I was like, well, I'm on a roll of a hundred. So let's stick with a hundred, you know, major entrepreneur influencers, which was fantastic. And, um, so I'm thinking I might do a hundred people that have built billion dollar businesses next is the official series, but we'll see. I just finished, um, you know, that third series this past mm -hmm. winter. And so, 
Um, I'm not in a rush to dive into another series right now. I'm just enjoying interviewing people yeah. like Adam, you know, yeah, high yeah, performance yeah. entrepreneurs, you know, that have built really awesome businesses. Well, I, I have to, I'm making certain assumptions, so I'm not going to say that, but I, I feel I would like, so, so tell me you got all these hundreds of people you've interviewed. Are there, is there an interview that stands out? Is there like a favorite one that you're like, this was a crusher. I loved mm. it. There's ones that were benchmarks that made me think of myself as an entrepreneur and a podcaster, like as the next level. Um, one of them was I got, I reached out to the founder of uh, Squatty Potty, Bobby Edwards. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I was in Brazil at this time and I was working at this co-working space and we scheduled the podcast and, and I just like blindly cold emailed his team, you know, and they got back, said, yeah, Bobby would love to do a podcast. And so I, um, I, at the time at that, that day, the coworking space was really loud and I'm like, crap, what can I do? Cause this isn't going to work. It's just too loud to do a podcast. So I was like, there's an alley outside that I know the Wi-Fi reaches to. Why don't I just like set a table up outside and, um, do the podcast. And so I'm in an alley in Rio de Janeiro, uh, about to interview the most successful entrepreneur that I've got on the podcast, $35 million company in 2016 with 17 employees, you know, yeah. and has this 150 million views on his, his viral marketing video that they created for Squatty Potty. And I'm nervous. Yeah. And so then he hops on and I don't realize this is going to happen. He hops onto the call. You're hearing like, you know, church bells in the background, you know, and like people honking yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. And he hops on the call and he had just gotten off the view, which is like the, yeah, one, of oh, the yeah. Most, yeah, one of the most popular daytime talk shows in the United States. And he hopped, he got off the view, went to his hotel room to do an interview with me. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm in an alley in Brazil with my laptop. Right. <laughs> and, um, the interview went amazing. Bobby was just the coolest guy. He even started singing on the podcast at one point, you know, the, the conversation went really well. And I've actually republished that, that episode a little while back because, um, it just like was such a memorable, memorable, um, experience. And, um, and yeah, and that was one when I realized that was a podcast. I realized the power of podcast one, mm -hmm. who you could really truly connect with. Um, and two, um, the, the, my, my own self, like my own image of myself and how I saw myself as a podcaster, um, how I saw myself as an entrepreneur and how really awesome this lifestyle that we were living mm. is, 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 can you, you know, the power of it is phenomenal. So I, I love that. Uh, can you dive into transformational talk? So you, you started this journey. Uh, maybe, I mean, do you, it almost seems like you have um, the same core Chris through the entire journey, but you're, you're putting on different clothes and you're trying on different, uh, you know, who am I and what am, am I the, the real estate sales guy? Am I the, the farmer? Am I the, and you've got all these different things, but it seems like who you are as a core seems really constant through the whole thing. Am I observing that correctly? Is there a transformation that, that you feel like that you've gone through um, that at the end of 500 episodes versus the beginning, you're a different person? Person, or are there some kind of insights that you've given uh, gained that has caused you to live in a different way? Uh, the answer to that is yes. What exactly, um, which ones um, we should pinpoint? That's what I'm trying to think about here. Um, well, first off, like all of those transitions, and I didn't realize this until my 30s, is that they all revolved around me creating a life with more freedom. Mm -hmm. And I thought at first the farming thing would give me the most freedom that I could create for myself. Then I thought, oh, the real estate investing company could give me the most freedom that I wanted to create for myself. Then I was like, no, the four-hour work week, like that's the next level and that's the true thing that I, I really want to um pursue and I have been following that one for 12 years I would say more or less and um, and so it's always like 
what is a thing that can bring me a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, can continually to give me the time freedom that I need, bring in income to keep me fed and to you know put some money in the bank account, mm-hmm. um, and also grow my network because I really loved um, you know meeting new entrepreneurs and going to all these places around the world and having now you know we have a network with you know we know people in all these different cities around the world and and like I'm going to Mexico in the next couple of weeks and Playa del Carmen and I know 20 people in Playa like right. and then I could hop down to Medellin and I probably know another 20 people that are friends that I consider friends I could do that hop down to Rio I could do that over in Thailand and so that for me that is like not only influence but like power in yeah. many respects to have a network and people and a support group um, in different little places all around the world like how much more could a person want for me from my perspective like that is like the coolest thing in the world it is what the four-hour work week defined as the new rich right yeah and um and so yeah and all of that was just a transformation of still being that guy that values freedom um still being that guy that values liberty and uh, being an entrepreneur and helping other people grow. But mm-hmm. all of all of the the map of Chris revolved around those core values that were always there, I think. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because you, you, you're looking for the freedom in a lot of different places. So you, you did um, uh, fulfillment through work. You did fulfillment through or freedom through work, freedom through travel. And from what I know about you now, you're doing a lot of um, internal work. Uh, it seems like you're finding freedom by looking inside as well as moving through the world. So how does all of that kind of fit together? Well, the internal work, like it, it, it started from the very beginning. Like mm. it started one, another reason why I went to grad school is because I just loved learning so much. And I didn't realize you could learn outside of college at the time. I thought like, this is the place I even thought about <laughs> getting a doctorate. Like I, I was like, why not? You know, I'm having so much fun here. I'm learning. You're probably not going to learn that much out in the quote unquote real world. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a learning hub. And and so all of that internal work like started from it was it was the love of learning and if people i think all people really love to learn they just probably have not chosen the right subjects to learn because who doesn't love to learn something new that helps them live a better life like that's what it's all about right and so that that was the love and, and another value that that i always had because internal work was always happening throughout that whole process I love that point. Everyone is actually interested in learning. They just haven't found the right subject or they haven't given themselves permission. And so, you know, um, would you, I guess you're a lifelong learner. Well, you know, I feel like maybe I'm trying to put you in boxes. And from what I know about you, boxes don't seem to work. Uh, don't put me in boxes. Like, Stop these no, boxes. No. Yeah. Don't put baby, <laughs> no one puts baby in the corner. No one puts Chris in a box. So, so you know, uh, what what's coming up next? What's the intention? So it seems like uh, I, I love your, your story arc here. I love the fact that you've just hit so many things. And by the way, uh, there's another kind of professional that I think you would be very good at. And that's yeah. like a spy or somebody in espionage, right? You're like, no, I, I travel the world. And I have friends everywhere. I'm in a small town in the middle of the Andes. And I'm like, oh, it's my people. We have fun. It's great. So I feel like if this doesn't work out, feel free to go be like an international man of mystery. I feel like that totally works for you as well. I, um, that's what my parents' neighbors have if you know they think that i'm doing actually because they don't understand it at all oh, they're like the he's got to be in the fbi or cia or something <laughs> like this he's probably just... in an agency we've never heard of exactly oh, yeah. gosh, i love that <laughs> yeah so, so what what is next what is where are you trying to take the podcast where are you trying to take chris's journey what what does that look like for the podcast, like, so, you know, remember I told you I was selling on Amazon in 2009 and I was like, well, if I would have stuck with that, I would have been retired by now. So in, in late 2019, I did a Vipassana retreat, meditation retreat, and I was thinking about this, you know, I was like, it's the end of a decade. Um, what did I, you know, what was the past decade for me like as an entrepreneur um, living in all these different countries around the world? What can, what can I do? What are the few things that I can do over the next decade 
henceforth mm -hmm. that can really um, put me in a position that I really want to be in as a person, as a human, as an entrepreneur, um, and uh, give me the lifestyle and all the things that I really want in life. And so uh, it was like, okay, if I had a decade commitment to sell on Amazon in 2009, things would be much different for me um, now. Yep. Um, and then so I was like, what's, the, what's, what's one of the one juicy things that can really take me to an even next, next, next level? And I was like, well, if I, I, you know, I've been podcasting, this is 2019. I'd been podcasting for four years. If I do it for another 10 years, man, the podcast has just got to be, I mean, it's got to be a, some massive giant, right? Cause you're yep. building a mountain, a mountain and all the people that I had interviewed would, would have interviewed over that time period. Um, hopefully it would be, you know, you know, a, a extremely reckon, recognizable podcast, even if it's not a very influential podcast, that's helping a lot of people. Um, I like yourself, love building communities of mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. You know, you can see my history and that's kind of obvious. Um, and so like, let's, let's, let's use a podcast to build, um, the next level, a more community of entrepreneurs, uh, that are within our network and, um, and just, you know, create more courses that help entrepreneurs, um, and big into the brain science thing. Now we have a brain scanner that helps mm -hmm. entrepreneurs optimize their brain performance, which is very next level for, for, uh, high performance, peak performance stuff. And that's really exciting to see. And so all of that mixed up, you know, we'll continue to create more courses. Um, we're doing, you and I are doing masterminds now for, mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs. And so that's, that's the foreseeable future right now. I love that on the underlying of that, all that I'm hearing, you're still learning it so fast and so much. Right. Yeah, I wish it would go faster, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, learning happens at the pace that it's supposed to happen, I think, when you, yeah. you're putting the right energy out there. And, and, when you, and it's not like you're – one of the downsides of learning is the more you know, the more you understand you have no idea. And so I think as you become wiser, learning seems to move slower. There's not as many aha moments, but when you do have them, it's like <sighs> – that changes everything. So yeah. Um, wow. I just described learning, like building a, a tolerance to a drug of some kind. That's not where I was going. Was <laughs> <laughs> Stay in school, kids. Just Stay in school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've enjoyed our chat. I've had you here for around 50 minutes or so. Uh -huh. um, is there anything else that I should be asking you? Is there any zingers? that? Oh, I, I do have another one. Do, you, uh -huh. do we have time for one more? Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear a train wreck. I want to hear a train wreck oh, story yeah. of a podcast that either went wrong for technical reasons or the or and you don't have to drop names if you can just like ah this one guy mm -hmm. he called in he was on the toilet this made no sense he wasn't ready you know anything yeah well for so I'm gonna say this for anybody that goes on the podcast your responsibility as a guest is to to come up and show up and make a great podcast. Um, Greg Mercer, the founder of Jungle Scout, came on the podcast. In his very first words, he said, "Chris, I'm excited to be here. Let's make a good, great, let's make a great podcast." And I was like, "Yeah, I love that mentality." And every show that I've ever been on since then um, uh, has been like I've said that exact same thing. I said, "Adam, I'm on the show now. Let's make a great podcast." And so. Um, but your job also as an interviewer is to make the podcast interview great as well. So it helps so much if you have two people that want to make a great episode. Um, there's a lot of interviews I did where I'm just like, you know, mentally in my mind, just like facepalm, facepalm, you know, this person is not prepared. This person, uh, you know, is not transparent. This person is just, um, not a, a great talker or interviewee. And it's, it's been really difficult, but sometimes you have to pick and choose like the best parts of that podcast to make a good episode. Um, there was one man, oh man, it was torture. Uh, I, I ended up publishing about 25 minutes of the episode, but the guy talked for like an hour and 15 minutes and he just would not stop talking. And it's okay if you're a long winded person, that's
that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But learn to choose your words wisely because when people just random, you know, go down rabbit holes that you you that nobody really care about, um, you know, it's not fun for anybody, even if you're doing it in regular life. And so any mm-hmm. type of like, you know, practice where you can learn how to communicate better, tell stories better, it's always um, a very powerful thing. And also, um, recent, recently, probably six months ago, I interviewed Eric Emidis, uh, who's the founder of WildFit, and, and he taught me something as well. Um, there's a thing called PPM, pulses per minute. And huh. so pulses are pulses or injections of emotion when uh, speaking to somebody that excited an emotion or um, sadden an emotion. But whatever it does, it... it, it um, it uh, strengthens that emo- you know, makes a person feel emotion. If you can get six PPMs, pulses per minute, in any time, uh, any time you speak, you'll be a world class speaker. And so that's what you want to. If you come on a show, anybody that comes on a show, that's kind of what you want to uh, go for. You don't want to end up, you know, only giving twenty five minutes of value and speaking for an hour and fifteen minutes mm-hmm. when nobody cares what you says and it's hard to like even interject a word because you keep talking over and over and over. Don't be that guest. Don't be that person in life. Actually, um, <laughs> talk to people. Give them pulses per minute. What can you say that can excite them, even if it like evokes some like heartfelt emotions that makes them choke up. A little bit that is awesome you know as long as you're not you know hurt bullying people right you're just like evoking you know some some sort of emotion out of people like it's very powerful um and i think uh i think um i think it's a great great way to be an interviewee on a podcast well i would uh, attend that workshop um, Chris Reynolds teaches you, how, <laughs> teaches, <laughs> teaches you how not to suck as a podcast guest. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Learn your pulses per minute. That's right. Well, That's pulses right. per minute. What's that? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I have absolutely love this. This has been a whole lot of fun. I love hearing your story. Uh, the, the It is 500 episodes of well-turned phrases, wisdom dropped constantly, powerful charisma coming across. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, uh, I'm real proud to be able to count you as a friend and to be a part of all this. This is this is really a, a cool thing, dude. Well done. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on and interviewing me. That's very, very kind of you. And listeners, <laughs> we're going to wrap up there. See you on the next episode. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Take care. Thanks again. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.